Crave, how we doing? Wonderful. My name is Kevin. I'm the high school pastor. If this is your first time with us, thank you so much for being here. We're in week two of our series, Cornerstones. We started last week by talking about Christ as the cornerstone. The Bible talks about Jesus being this foundational piece upon which we build our lives. And a cornerstone, uh, if you look here in, in this construction background picture we have for this series, a cornerstone sits at the corner and it's in the foundation and it determines the position of the entire structure. And we talked about how Jesus, if we're going to claim to follow him, should determine how our lives go. But we're working on, okay, what are the cornerstones we want to build this new year on? And I asked you about resolutions. Anybody just want to go ahead and admit you made a resolution and you already broke it? This is a safe place. We're talking about confession tonight. Thank you. For, I see that one hand in the middle. Okay, my hand was also up because I'm, I'm human. Uh, tonight we are talking about confession. I believe confession is a cornerstone that can be crucial for you in 2021. But when you hear that term, you may get kind of weird vibes you may think of confession as something that's really only done at the Catholic Church. I've got an image we'll put up for you. Uh, anybody ever attended a Catholic service? Quick show of hands. Okay, a handful of you. Um, so if you can see there, you've got this structure where you can go in, and then what happens is you kneel, uh, and there's somebody, a, a priest on the other side that you would confess your sins to. And when we hear that term confession, I think a lot of us go to this place. We've seen it in movies or TV. Or we have friends who are Catholic. And I'm, that's great, but confession is not limited to just that. Confession, in fact, is something that all of us should practice. But see, there's kind of a negative connotation with confession because it means that we're admitting we did something wrong. That's exactly what it is. It's to admit your guilt. It's to take ownership of the mistakes that you've made. And instead of sin, we often want to use terms like baggage, like I've just got some baggage, or I've got some issues, or I've got some struggles. And there's nothing wrong with those terms, but the reality is all of us have sin in our lives. Now, sin is a word that shows up over and over in the Bible, right? I thought maybe I would try to help you understand what that is as we talk about confessing sin tonight. I've got another image we'll put up. Sin is actually an archery term. Uh, what it means is to miss the mark. Uh, so in Hebrew, you've got this word kata, and in Greek, hamartia. Uh, please just believe that's exactly how those words are pronounced because I'm very good at languages. Um, but sin is to miss the mark, to miss the goal. That's, that's literally what it means. And so maybe if you've not been in church a whole lot, or maybe if you have, you've got some really negative attachment to that word. All it means is to miss the goal you've missed. And I bet all of us, even if you didn't make resolutions that you've already broken, all of us have missed the mark. All of us have missed the goal. And according to the Bible, that is true, right? Romans 3.23, this is a foundational theological verse for you to get. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us have done this. All of us have chosen our own way over God's way. And, and pretty simply, that's what sin is. When you choose to do your thing because you believe you know best for your life, more than what God prescribes, what he says in his word, that's sin. And all of us have done that. Now, you may be sitting there going, listen, you don't know me. I'm a pretty good person. I definitely do more good things than bad things. So who are you to sit here and say, I'm a sinner? Well, 
I'm not saying that so much as I'm reading to you the Bible, God's Word. And it says, all of us. In fact, 1 John 1.8 says this, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. So if you try to spin yourself this story like, I'm a good person. I'm not, I'm not a sinner. You're lying to yourself. And there's nothing worse than lying to yourself. Like it's bad to lie to somebody else, but when you lie to yourself long enough, you'll start to believe it. And this is a dangerous thing for you to grab a hold of and, and decide, well, no, I'm not, I, I've not sinned. I don't need to confess anything. I'm a good person. All of us have sinned. Now, here's some good news. Sin does not have to define you. The mistakes that you've made, the baggage, the issues, right? We talked about those terms. Your sin does not have to define you, and it does not have to control your life. Let's look quickly at Romans chapter 6. This is a passage where if you want to read more on your own about sin, this is a great chapter to jump into. You'll look at some more verses even tonight in the small group. But Romans 6.12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. I believe that sin remains in control when it remains unconfessed. So we've probably all been there where we've got this sin, we've got this struggle, we're living in it, and we don't feel like we can get out. We feel like there's no way I can beat this thing. There's no way I can get over this. Maybe you do okay for a little while, right? New Year's resolution. I, this is going to be the year that it's different until it's not. And sin is controlling your life. And maybe it's not a ton of sins. Maybe you're not out living crazy doing 8, 9, 10, 12 different things. But maybe it's just that one thing. And I don't know what that is in your life, but I know what it's like to have that one thing in your life. It doesn't have to control your life. Confession is a key, key part of that. Now, I want to give you a tip before we go any further. I want you to know that when you're confessing sin, you should be specific. Be specific in your confession. Here's what I've observed over uh, a decade and a half of working in student ministry. Uh, a student will come and they'll want to say, hey, I've got this thing going on in my life, a sin, a sin issue, a struggle, baggage issue, however the language shows up. Um, but they want to be very broad, very general, because there's a fear of saying what it actually is. Right? So uh, you'll hear something like this. I'm just really struggling with my thoughts. Super broad. And I applaud anybody who confesses that. That's good. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not crapping on that. Pardon the colloquialism. Uh, but I think it's better to be specific. So instead of just saying, hey, I'm really struggling with my thoughts. Hey, I'm really struggling with lustful thoughts and I'm looking at pornography and it's got a stranglehold on my life. That's a very different confession. And it's going to enable somebody who wants to help you to be more specific. Does that make sense? Nod your head if that makes sense. Maybe it's uncomfortable, right? But it's, it's helpful. Uh, another example. Uh, hey, I just, you know, I really want to, I, I, I'm a little emotional. Okay, like, that's, that's not a bad confession. But what's really going on is I'm deeply depressed and I'm thinking of hurting myself. Two different responses. Do you see that? So be specific. And even be specific as you're confessing things to God because you'll try to gloss right over something and kind of move past it name it. There's power in naming something because when it remains in the shadows, it's in the darkness, you want to shine light on that thing and it'll lose some of that power that it has over your life. Okay, so be specific in confession. But first, we have to confess sin to God. That's where it starts. 
Like it's great to confess with others. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But we confess our sins to God. Now that may fill, fill you with some trepidation. You're like, I, ooh, I don't want to talk to God about this because I've been running for him for a long time. And if I have this conversation now, it's going to be difficult. Here's some good news. He already knows. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever that sin issue is in your life, that you'd be mortally terrified to have anybody find out about, God already knows it. He knew about it before you were born. He knows every moment of your life. I find that comforting. So we confess our sin to God. 1 John 1, 9. We'll put that on the screen. 1 John 1, 8 said, if we claim we have no sin, we're fools. 1 John 1, 9 is good news. If we confess our sins to him, him being God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. You may feel this way. God can forgive everybody else, but I've got this thing. There's no way he can forgive me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how dark it is. You don't know how heavy it is. There's no way I can be forgiven for this. The truth of the Bible is you can. He is faithful and just. There's nothing you could do that would cause God to stop loving you. He will forgive you if you bring it to him. He's faithful. And he's just. He's the only one who can forgive you. Jesus lived a perfect life. He had no sin. And because of that, he can offer forgiveness for our sins. And he offered his life to pay for our sins. 1 John 1.9 is good news. This is the gospel. So we confess our sins to God. Maybe that's your step tonight. Maybe you're here and you're not a believer and you know you're not. And you could have even been in this church for years and, and you're like, everybody thinks I'm a believer, but I'm really not. I know all the right things to say. I volunteer. I go to all the events, but I don't really know Jesus. Tonight, would you confess that? Would you confess your sin to God and just get honest with him about it? Or maybe you're a Christian and the reality is you know you're living in sin, like you've been doing things you know are not in line with God's will. But you don't even know how to start. Like, how do I even get back to where I know I need to be? The most difficult step in any journey is always the first one. You just take that step and say, God, I messed up. I sinned. And you go from there. You be specific and you talk to God about it. You don't have to speak in King James English, right? You don't have to sound like the, the King James Bible. You don't have to sound like Shakespeare when you pray. You can just talk to God and tell him what you've got going on. It's confession. Now, after we confess to God, I think it's vitally important that we confess to other believers. We're not meant to carry this alone. James 5.16, if you've been around Crave any amount of time, you know this is one of my favorite verses. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You find that forgiveness when you confess sin to God. You find that help and that healing when you confess sin to others. And I'm not advocating that you go broadcast to the world every mistake you've ever made, every sin. I'm not saying go home tonight, jump on your social media, and just lay it all out there. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying you find some believers that you can trust and you have a difficult conversation. And I won't lie to you, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. I remember vividly sitting with my friends and sharing my sin and my struggle and what was destroying my life. And I cried and I felt embarrassed and ashamed and I thought they wouldn't want to be my friends anymore. And instead they came alongside me, they loved me, they prayed for me, they held me accountable 
And it was at that moment I began to find healing and freedom from my sin struggle. Uh, again, maybe that sounds terrifying to you. What if they judge me? What if they don't want to be my friend anymore? What if they, whatever. And I just want to say something to all of us as the church. It is not for us to get on our high horse and judge anybody in a judgmental way. Raise your hand if you've never sinned. Look around the room. All of us. And all of us have sinned, not just in some long ago, far away, once upon a time situation. We've sinned this week. Some of us probably sinned on the way over here. Some of us maybe have sinned since we got here. We don't need to be judgmental. Check out this verse from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. I think, hear me now. Our world needs believers to live this out right now. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When you stand in judgment and pride and arrogance towards somebody else's sin, you forget that Christ has forgiven you. All of us have a unique journey. Yes, some of us have done more things wrong than others. And yet, all of us need that forgiveness. And Christ offers it. And we should, in turn, offer it to others. One of my greatest fears is that somebody would come in here to crave and they would have something so heavy that they're tired of carrying by themselves and they share it in their small group or they share it with a, a couple of people and then it spreads like wildfire and everybody knows. That's gossip. And the Bible calls that a sin. If you don't believe me, go read Romans chapter 1. It's listed alongside murder. You're like, murder and gossip, those don't seem equal. In the eyes of God, they are. They're equally separating from God because they're sin. So do not be that person who, when someone shares in group, maybe tonight, because that's going to come up in small group tonight. Your small group leader is going to ask you, hey, do you have something you need to confess to God or to us, to people, one of us, Kevin, go find somebody, confess it. Do you need to do that? And if somebody's brave enough tonight to share something in small group and you turn around and talk about them and gossip about them, hey, one of my struggles is anger, and I'm going to be honest with you, if I find out about that, I'm going to be furious. Because I believe you're getting in the way of freedom. You're getting in the way of somebody taking a step towards Christ. Let's be the type of place where people can come and be honest. I think there's a misconception about the church that, that you have to be perfect to come in here, and it's just not true. The church is not a holy huddle, or at least it shouldn't be. Because if we, if we get into this mindset of the church being a holy huddle, then people don't feel like they can come into that. Instead, the church should be a hospital for the hurting. In a holy huddle, it's, it's exclusionary. People are left on the outside looking in, feeling like I can never be a part of that. But if the church is really a hospital for hurting people the way it should be, hey, that's attractive and that's inviting. That's a place that we want to be because all of us are hurting and struggling and dealing with sin on our own. I want you to see the words of Christ in Mark chapter 2. Put it on the screen for you. This is Jesus talking now. When the, when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? So Jesus is rolling with a crowd that's a little shady. And people are talking about it. 
This is Jesus' response in verse 17. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. If I could phrase this differently for you, Jesus came for the people who know they are broken, not for those who think they've already got it all together. So if I or any of my staff or volunteers have ever given you the impression that you have to be perfect to be here, I apologize. Please know the church is a hospital for hurting people. Whatever your sin struggle is, you are not alone. In fact, if we just started naming off what it is, I guarantee you there are other people sitting all around you who struggle with that same thing. And the good news is we can be set free from that when we confess that sin to God and we can find help and accountability when we confess that sin to fellow believers. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If you persist in your sin and you never turn from it, you decide this is my life, this is what I want, it's going to lead to your ultimate destruction. But the free gift that Christ offers is forgiveness. Can you imagine getting a wonderful gift and leaving it unopened? Like, imagine the big gift that sometimes you get at Christmas. You don't always get the big gift, but you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes there's that one big gift and it kind of sits at the back. And, and your parents are like, you can open one gift on Christmas Eve. You're like, I'll open it. Like, no, 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 no. That's going to be the last gift tomorrow because that's the good one, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about. It's the good one. But can you imagine, as we sit here on January 10th with Christmas, two plus weeks in the past, if you had just not opened that gift, if on Christmas morning you're like, this is the good one, you're like, no, I'm not going to open it. Why would you do that? It's yours. It's got your name on it. It was given to you. It'd be foolish to not open that. And I'm telling you today, forgiveness is a gift that God wants to give you. And if you leave it unopened, how foolish why? You're ignoring the best thing that somebody could ever give you. Confess your sin to God. Maybe tonight confess it to somebody else. Now, confession, again, maybe makes us a little bit uncomfortable. I want to put a prayer up on the screen for you. Uh, this prayer comes from the Book of Common Prayer, a resource you can check out on your own. We used to pray this prayer every single Sunday at my last church. Now, uh, saying this out loud together might seem weird to you. It might seem like something you would do uh, in, in big church or old people church or whatever. And maybe you're right, but we're going to do it tonight because I think there's benefit in us confessing sin together. So if you would stand and let's pray this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone we have not loved you with our whole heart we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves we are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son jesus christ have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. This is a great prayer for us together, but now is the time for us to pray individually and have that conversation with God. If you have sin you need to confess, now is the time as the band comes and as they play.
this is a time for you to talk with God. And if you need to, talk with someone else. Feel free to get up and move around the space. Find an adult. Uh, find a small group leader. You can come grab me. Uh, we'd love to talk with you about taking these steps towards Christ. Let's pray. God, you love us and you invite us to confess our sin and find redemption and forgiveness in your son Jesus who died for us. My prayer tonight, God, is for that one person or maybe those few who are here tonight and are living in captivity to sin. They need to confess it, but they're so scared. God, would you just remind them that you love them, you see them, you know them. God, would you give them courage to take a step to talk to you tonight, to maybe talk to somebody else tonight. And I pray that as we leave this place, we would be transformed to be more like your son, Jesus, that we would walk in the grace and the mercy and forgiveness that he gives. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray.